Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, and before we get to today's show, I want to thank everybody for who supports us at patreon.com slash makeusbetter, especially our platinum executive producers, Corey Hicks at twitch.tv slash chicks underscore 18, and Mr. Mark Moody at youtube.com slash outoflives. Our gold executive producers, Mike VC and Panache Malloy, and our amazing and amazing executive producers, Kyle Heyman, new executive producer. Brendan Myers, Tony Hutchinson, Donnie Reese, Stephen Hyperty, Lincoln is high-fiving me on every name, uh, Carol Underwood, Dante Bellini Jr., Jared Gauthier, Dude427, Kevin Austin, Josh Borboni, Tammy Ryan, Robert Bobby Miller, Tim Alf, Martini Jean, David Ray, you guys have completely changed our lives. And if you haven't already, please if uh, consider it, at least, jumping on board at patreon.com slash makeisbetter supports me in four ways. Right here, we the gamer cast, twitch.tv slash Sean Capri, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, if we ran Nintendo with Bobby and Jason, and of course, the Xbox Drive with Luke Lower. Bah, now let's get on to the show. Uh, bah. Welcome to episode 171 of We The Gamer Cast. It publishes on iTunes and Google Play every single Monday and YouTube.com slash WeTheNerdy every single Monday. Thank you for subscribing, hitting a thumbs up, and rating the show on iTunes. And Lincoln is just loving this. He was, he's was he got a Wii U Pro Controller in his hand because that's where we're at in the generation. <laughs> the controllers that I don't care about go to Lincoln. I mean, I mean, it's a controller I totally care about, right? Oh, he's so freaking cute. He's getting camera shy right now. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we're going to have a really quick, quick little intro. I wanted to say hello. Hi. How are you? I hope you guys are having a great day. Hope everything is going well in your lives. Um, Lincoln stinks right now. He's a stinky Linky. So we're going to we're going to do this. If that's okay with you, Lincoln, we're going to do this. Say hi to the people and uh, give a couple shout outs, maybe. And, and then maybe later tonight, mom and dad will watch some Big Brother. Right. And then um, maybe one day you'll do these like little small talks like Adam Leonard did with his kid who beat. Did you know Adam Leonard's kid beat? Um. Uh, Mario Odyssey before he turned three years old. I think that's how it went. Or four. He was three when he beat it. Anyways, guys, uh, I went through a couple shows that I was on last week, but uh, I don't think that I got all of them. Um, radio, did I say Radio's Lame? I was on Radio's Lame. I was on... Oh, I missed Foot in the Door. Uh, Foot in the Door, pod.com, Ed Placencia's show. Um, so thank you to Ed. That was really awesome, man, to just kind of like... I don't know. It sounds weird to say, like, be on the other side, talk about myself. He forced me to talk about myself for for a little while. So it was good just to catch up with Ed. I'm a big fan. Um, I've been playing quite a few games, guys. As most of you know, over at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri. Rolling through through some of the games. I am officially allowed to play Forza Horizon 4 um, starting on Friday just this past Friday and all the way up until release. So I can't really tell you much other than to stop by and see how much I'm playing it, I guess, is what I'm probably allowed to say. Uh, I, I hope to see you guys there. I can't believe this game came out. Actually, I have I have it quite early. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to be playing as much of it as freaking possible over the next little bit. Maybe even jump back into Spidey. I might be done Tomb Raider for now. But I will talk about that more on the Xbox Drive. I'm trying to keep that one short so you guys can get both of these in here. Lincoln also really likes the part in Frozen where where um, she sings a song and goes, so that might be what you guys are hearing over to the side. Why don't we? Yeah, that's yeah. See, 
Yeah, you got it, buddy. Why don't we jump right into my conversation this week is with Bronson Fiore. Uh, He comes, actually, Thomas King, who you guys might remember doing that duo episode with Tammy Ryan a few weeks ago, months ago, a little while back. And he's like, uh, Bronson needs to be on the show. And he tagged him. And uh, so this is it. This is what we talked about some stuff about getting paid for doing all this stuff, trying to like make a living and going to E3. It's a great chat. So why don't we get into it? Follow him on Twitter at GameCraft. You're supposed to yell his name. It's Bronson Fiore. Uh, they, they wanted me to help them with their stream and whatnot, so I was like, "Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. sure." What kind of games are they playing? What, what, what kind of what are they, what are, what are they going to set up with the stream? Uh, it's so it's a variety stream. So we've done God of War. Oh yeah, like one uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd be down. I'm. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not often that we do, we do topical here on We the Gamer Cast, but like this is kind of happening. And and to be honest, it's one of the first like like very like surprises i think in the gaming industry where it's like wait a minute well i guess it depends maybe maybe i'll throw it to you like where are you surprised to hear telltales shutting down just like just yesterday and it seems like in a catastrophic kind of way like i i'm surprised that it's like just such a like fucking like big just like oh we're done right like i I was like expecting like eh, we'll finish like the walking dead and like slowly ramp down just like nope closing up shop Mm mm-hmm so like that was weird, especially because like I I'm on their like PR list to get like right. press releases and stuff, and like there was no indication of that at all. Like it was just business as usual. Do you think people would have been more apt to like support the games over the years if like any of us? Because I don't think any of us knew they were in trouble. I think like for my first reaction, I think a lot of people on the internet were echoing this is that. Um, they're cashing in on all these licenses. Like that's why they don't want to work on their uh, on their engine or anything like that. Was because why do that when people are just like buying up all these things? When actually, if we look this like retrospectively, it seems like they were just trying to keep their head above water, just trying to have like as many projects on the go, just to try and like keep it together. When it, I think the perspective or perception was these guys are money grubbing, money hungry mother effers. You know, it's like I- it's completely opposite. I think that uh, what happened was is like they had that massive hit with that first season of The Walking Dead, which mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense. But like that, that was a huge game. It was a very much a surprise. Uh, funnily enough, that was my first ever review copy. Oh, really? Um, and it was uh, and like that was that was like game of the year for the company I was working for at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we thought, oh, Telltale has like something here. And then I think they just expanded way too quick. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's the thing. Were... That's what, that was the perspective was that they they thought that they could just like ride that out, and it seemed like they were just going to be able to make money no matter what. But it, it from everything that I've seen, I've seen a couple of uh, charts and things like that where it's like it wasn't even close. So I think that people maybe didn't support them because they thought they were good. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like maybe they would, maybe people would have been more inclined to support that developer, but they seem like they were enormous and they didn't need every purchase where I think with some smaller developers, like you want to, you want to help them, you want to buy. So it, it kind of does the flip side of things like with Ninja Theory, with Hellblade, I think got a lot of support because they were small. Um, but I don't know. Do you think like, do you think um, companies and developers should be more open about like their current status of, are they on the brink or maybe just continue to act as if everything is fine? 
I think that I don't think they should be like like I think there's a middle ground they need to hit. Yeah. I think Ninja Theory does a good job with it. Mm-hmm. I think also that Telltale just like expanded just way too fast. They like I hired a bunch of way more vet dev teams, started way more projects, got on with a bunch of licenses like way too fast. Um, you know, and it's a bummer because I really like a lot of those games. Yeah, like, well, I, the expansion of the team tells me that there was at least some, some, some money to be had. And of course, the first game, Telltale, the uh, the Walking Dead, obviously a success. So it's maybe like, is it a mismanagement? And um, aside from that too, because I, I, I have ten thousand things that I want to talk to you about, but I kind of want to tie this into you being in the game industry as well, and and anybody listening, a lot of people listening do their own thing, and a lot of us are on that path of like that dream of working in games, and I feel like. Uh, from a developer standpoint, at the very least, a lot of stories are coming out of guys. If you're working overtime, get paid for it. You like value your time and your, your mental health and your, your value is there. Um, a lot of stories coming out that like I, all my sleepless nights. And I think one tweet from one of the developers, uh, on the team, a character artist, I think say all my sleepless nights and long hours at overtime. I'm not going to get severance. My healthcare or my, my health insurance is up next week. And it's totally not worth it. So, um, looping it back to you, Bronson, I wanted to kind of loop that back into like, does that do anything to you in terms of like pushing yourself and like creating content, doing the things that you do? Um, does it put it into perspective at all or, or how does this affect you if at all? So I, I think that like game development and games media are both, they're different in a lot of ways, but similar in that aspect. Yeah. Of like, you know, I remember Patrick Klepik over at uh, Waypoint always said, like, hey, if you're a writer, like, you should almost never work for free. Right. Never just work for exposure. Um, and I don't necessarily fully agree with that because, like, you need to get something on your resume at start. I agree. But, like, but like once you once you hit a point, like, you should have that point of, like, hey, uh, you know, I don't do it for free. Uh, there, there's... There's very few, uh, you know, like, I still do some free work here and there, but, like, for the most part, like, I, I'm i like, check, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been writing and hosting for professionally eight years, technically ten total. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's, it, it's a like you want to be very passionate about it. it it's your baby and i get that but you also need to like think about like okay like especially in the case of like game development a lot of cases if you're not in the indie space like this is a big giant company they could dick me over at any moment right you know so like because like you know i i also work a day job where i work at insurance and like I, like dude i wouldn't work in insurance for free like the dream you mean you didn't grow up like man i can't wait one day if i'm lucky i'll be able to be that guy working at state farm (laughs) (laughs) right exactly you know Mm -hmm. so talk to me about like that 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 shift over because i think that like making that change into being a professional in a lot of spaces in a lot of like those soft skill spaces or even like technical skills or something that's not necessarily not necessarily going to place you in a like nine to five you're at a desk and you're going to get paid there or um hourly like as a lawyer like these, some of these are, are are difficult jobs i think to get into because none of us really have a conceptual idea of what does that job even entail my wife for example is a photographer and like how do you go like for her going from just amateur enthusiast to like no no i do this for a living and i will charge for this for this service talk to me about like that transition for you of going from like 
going from doing free work for exposure to like that first time. Do you remember the first time that you, that you got hired on? Was it you asking for money or was it you applying for a freelance job or how did that uh, transition work for you? It, it was, so that was actually not that long ago. It was actually uh, only two or so years ago. Um, but the, but the other thing I was working on was like my project, right? Like my thing. So mm-hmm. it was just like, well, I'm obviously I'm going to work for free for my own thing. But uh, I got contacted by uh, Murder Palace. I'm not sure if you know who they are. Nope. They're, uh, they uh, they partner with Destructoid. They're run by uh, a uh, extra Destructoid peep uh, and an ex PlayStation guy. Uh, they're going to blow up pretty big here soon. But they contacted me and a friend of mine, being like, "Hey, we want you guys to write some scripts and then like maybe eventually host some videos." And they're like, and "They're like, would you be willing to do that?" And we're like, "Yeah, but like." you know, we kind of got our own thing to work on. So like, you know, would you be willing to pay us? And they're like, okay, how does a hundred dollars script sound? Which isn't a whole lot of money, but it's like the, the fact that they were, you know, when every other place was like exposure, 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 mm-hmm. the fact that they were willing to say, Hey, cash, like that was a big plus. And mm-hmm. then, you know, one of our things got thrown up on Detoid, which, you know, Detoid isn't what it used to be, but it's still very large. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's one of those things where you have to sit down and be like, okay, is the, like how, how much is this exposure and resume building worth versus like the money I could be getting? Like, have I, do I have enough exposure and a big enough resume to go to someone and be like, Hey, pay me. Right. Yeah. And, and, and do you think like there's uh, almost like a incongruity with, uh, sites that are actually too small to give you any exposure who are also the ones and are also too small to give you any money, but the ones that are big enough uh, to pay you have already figured out the revenue source and you'll actually get maybe more, but you'll actually get both. So you kind of end up shortchanging yourself like two times over when you're, when you're working for free. Cause usually like, I don't know too many big sites worth their salt that, um, that will be having people put articles up or put content up on their site when they're not paying for it. I don't know if there's anything like that. Like IGN pays everybody who puts anything up there unless it's a, like they used to do blog posts that were highlighted. That's maybe a little bit different, but they would almost like pick out things that, uh, that people would put up there. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of the side of my, my mouth here or talking out of my ass, but I don't know if there's anything like that. I think that, and this, so back at the Gamer Access, I was in charge of like finding new people mm-hmm. to like make content. Like that was one thing that like Nick was like, "Hey, do you guys know anyone?" And I was like, I went out and I looked for people. And the thing is, is like there's this very large range of like middle tier sites where they're not like they're they're like below the millions, below like the high hundred thousands but above the 10,000s mm-hmm. where they can't really afford to pay you much or at all. And they also can't, uh, but and they just kind of give you okay exposure. Right. You know, and it's this thing where uh, like it's really easy to get bit, you know, get in that field and get stuck there and, just be kind of stuck there until you do get something from a detoid and IGN uh, escapist, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, like it's really easy to get caught in that like middle ground. What, Um, what does the escapist coming back mean for, for you or for any, like, is it, is it good news that this thing has kind of been revived in this alternative way or like, what is that? What does that, how does that speak to you? Um, I think that, 
games media could always use more voices and yeah. more diverse voices. So I think it's great. Uh, they used to have a really strong, solid content lineup, and all of that's coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and also that's more jobs for people like me and other people within the industry. So right on, you know, I'm good for <laughs> good for. Good for Movie Bob and Yahtzee and yeah. the loading running run people and all of them. Like, you know, go. Yeah, I can't imagine that your response to that would have been like, you know what, man? I think that's just one too many. That would be that'd be a little just, strange. Just yeah, you know, like, like mm, probably bad news in in some way. We, we should have stopped at Polygon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's that angle as well. Um, moving away from that, though, I wanted to I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, like spotting new content creators, like how. And I want to link it into kind of like, is there is there a way to know or predict or maybe even push out? What is the audience expecting next? Like, what are like what are audiences wanting right now that maybe they're not getting or that they're just getting a, their first taste of? That you can go, this is a content creator. He's or she has something that I want to kind of connect with. What I think the audience will connect with, or like what what's hot? How do you connect new up and comers with with the new hotness? Well, so what I used to do uh, back when I was, like, really having to, like, look for people to, to, like, possibly bring on or partner with or collab with was, like, people who, like, really wanted to do it. Like, people who were just, like, like this is, like, that is their passion. And then, two was, like, just finding people who are, like, hovering around maybe a thousand views and just, like, watching it and being, like, am I entertained by this? Would someone else be entertained by this? And if yes, I would send them a message and be like, hey, you know, we give you exposure. You know, you can get to go to events and whatnot, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, we, we made very little money at, uh, at the Gamer Access at the time. So, and so like, where are you now, if not Gamer Access? Um, I am with Sticks and Crits. Uh, Thomas is Thomas joint. King? Mm-hmm. Yep, his joint. Uh, I'm, I'm helping run the West Coast staff. Uh, and then... Uh, I also, um, I technically work for Murder Palace still, though, like, stuff is kind of on hold there. (laughs) What's Murder Palace? I love the technically as well. uh, So, like, me and my friend Ray, who's also at Sticks and Crits, uh, we're kind of a duo. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's all, all, you hire one of us, you have to hire both of us in most cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And we... uh, they were in that detoy thing I told you about where we got linked up with them and they've had a project behind the scenes that we're working on, but it's kind of on hold right now. So we're, we're just waiting to hear like, all right, well they they said they'd give us a call when it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So as for, and then the gamer access before we, uh, left, we gave them a bunch of, uh, me and Ray gave them a bunch of content. We hooked them up with a couple new creators uh, to be like, hey, you guys treated us really well. Uh, you guys were my first like real job and like my first E3 and my first packs, mm. so on and so forth. So uh, I'm gonna do it right by you guys. Make sure you guys have like months worth of stuff ready to go when when I'm when I'm outy. What what was your what year was it? Was your first E3? Which uh, also implies you went back to E3. So I want to talk about that. Uh, 2014. Okay, so what was happening back then? 2014 would have been a year after, or a year into, actually, it would have been the first E3 that we had Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Yeah, so that was a really good one to attend. <laughs> no doubt. But, 
Uh, I actually could have went to 2012 and 2013. It's just that like financial stuff kind of hit me at the worst possible times. Because mm-hmm. where in the world are you? I'm in Reno, Nevada. Right. So, so it's not too too bad, but still, like getting over there and staying. It's it's more the hotel thing. Yeah. Man. Like mm-hmm. especially because like if you want a hotel that's near that convention center, that that is pricey. A couple hundred bucks a night for sure. Yeah, and, like, we were, uh, you know, we were a small, like, eight-man team, and, like, mm-hmm. six of us could go, and it's like, well, you know, you're looking at a hotel, it's four or $500 a night, even when it's split six ways for, like, Good God. Week. Is you it know? because, do the prices go up because of E3? Is it, like, is it that big? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, the, I guess uh, it would the, be. The JW Marriott, that's across the street, it's, like, five, $600 a night. That's uh, insane, man. I just supposed to spit out my coffee. That's crazy. <laughs> Because I've been to I've been to New York Comic Con and I just think like because especially New York and I don't know if um I guess L A would be similar to this like just the mecca cities right just massive massive cities and possibly uh, large for especially a, a Canadian like me just to try to understand how millions and millions of people all pack into this dense space so for me like I look at like a New York Comic Con and think well there's a couple tens of thousands of people who descend into New York, but like that's nothing compared to the, you know, 10 million people who live in that area or whatever it is. And I thought that can't be, that can't affect hotel prices that much, but I think that it, it has to, like it's, it's people coming out and there, it's not necessarily impacting the 8 million people who live there, but it's, it's absolutely impacting all at once the, the tourist industry. Unless you do what PAX does uh, and smaller, some smaller cons do where you like, where they negotiate with the hotels in the surrounding area, mm-hmm. like the the rates go crazy. Especially because like you look at the JW for example, that's where Sony stays. Mm. That's where I want to say EA and Nintendo stay as well. And it's like, well, they don't care what it's priced. They're just going to buy out an entire hallway, and like yeah. they don't care. Yeah. Like so so like but like if you're us cramming you know five six people in one to two hotel rooms. Uh, it's, it's a different animal. As for my first E3, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. Had a, had a great time, worked, worked nonstop. Uh, got a lot of good interviews. Um, what was, hi- that- remind me what was being highlighted at that, at that point. Like we were, and what was the mood too, as we're going into the new, remember like 2014, 2013, even 2012 consoles weren't supposed to be much. They weren't going to happen anymore. We were all going to be playing games on our phones back then. So I'm trying to get yeah. a sense of like, yeah, like from the ground floor at E3, like what was what was the feeling like? It was actually kind of pretty positive. Yeah. Like I, I remember Nintendo's booth, like Smash was going on constantly. Uh, Xbox, had, yeah, Xbox had a lot of like really good stuff that year. Like Sunset Overdrive was getting promoted mm-hmm. really heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that giant. Do you remember the giant like limp boss from that game? Yeah, man, I remember that. I remember that trailer. Very specifically, because I, I remember when they, they, it's, the trailer started and it looked like a military shooter. And I literally said out loud, I'm so, I so don't need another military shooter. And then the trailer switches over to like the nonsense that is Sunset Overdrawn. Like those guys got me so good. Like that was so perfect. It, it, that was a really good showing for Microsoft. I remember we came out of that uh, show, like no one on that, our staff at that point besides me had bought an Xbox One mm-hmm. at that point. And, uh, I bought it just for Killer Instinct. Yes. And yes, I, I am a fighting game junkie. We'll get okay. that a later. Uh, but we uh, we so and then like we came out of it, and everyone on our staff was like, "Dude, I gotta buy an Xbox One." Because uh, Master Chief Collection looked great, Sunset Overdrive, Forza, like it was just a really good show for Xbox. Mm-hmm. And then Sony, uh, like 
it was a good showing, but also like some of the games that were announced during that are still not out now. Come on, really? Yeah, like that Final Fantasy VII remake. Well, of oh, out. right, right, right. That was the um, that was the the show of dreams, of course. Yeah, Shenmue Three. That was mm-hmm. still not a thing. Uh, like uh, Last Guardian came out even later than expected. Like it was just that was a really weird year for Sony. And like I was not my problem with Sony's press conferences. Like from like then onward, it's like they always show stuff that's like really far out. Mm-hmm. So like I actually kind of had to create a rule for when like doing the press conference <laughs> grades on podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you don't give me a release window, I don't count it. I, like as coverage, or like, or that you don't even consider it as part of the show. Like, what do you yeah, mean you don't like, count it? L- like when I go, like we used to give grades to each press conference, like right. eight and a F, mm-hmm. and like I we like talk about like all the stuff that they're putting out. It's just like. If you do not at least give me a release window, I do not count it as something you showed me. Mm-hmm. Because it's 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 the Sony rule. Yeah. Like, because especially because on the other side, Microsoft always does stuff that's like this is the next 365 days. Yeah. And it's it's never as impressive, but it's always like I'm gonna be able to play that soon, and it's typically on the show floor versus Sony, where it's like you might get to play this if you have a meeting with them. Or it's shown behind closed doors, or it's just like a gameplay demo that like you watch. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I, and I and I and I know like people know me as a as the Xbox fanboy, which is garbage because I've all, I even have my Wii U stick still plugged in here, guys. Like it's very I can touch it, I can touch my Wii U, I can turn it on if you wanted me to. And um, so I can hear people already screaming like, "Well, let's talk about Crackdown Three, let's talk about Scalebound, and and a few others." Um, and, and so with that out of the way, I think that everybody's got like their sense of that, but I do feel like, um, Sony is probably the, the most egregious with it. Actually, even Nintendo, the last little bit, we've got, um, Metroid prime four coming at some point. We sort of have like 2019 for animal crossing. And so I wanted Pokemon Pokemon was actually the one that I was thinking of. I'm like, which was the other one that we don't know? I guess it's 2019 sort of, Yeah, but like Nintendo is also like typically they'll, they'll show a couple of those, but they'll also show like. This is stuff is coming out in six months. Yeah, here you go. And also, they they participate in E three in a weird way. I like I, I kind of like it, dude. I kind of I really actually they're 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 kind of giving E three the finger in a way, which I don't like. I don't I don't want them to be aggressive against E three, but I do like the fact that they can they can um they can do whatever they want throughout the entire year, and it just makes the rest of the year as exciting as as E three. And they've really managed to to carve themselves out a little bit of a niche now. Going back is and as we like kind of like evaluate this this generation, you know, like and I've got I've got definitely got my problems with especially that particular E three and everybody like losing their minds and rushing out to go get their their PlayStation because of those three games, and then even with Death Stranding when when they hired on uh, Hideo Kojima, and like well now I definitely need a PS four. It's like well his game isn't coming out to that console at all. So with all of those things in mind, and like the, these things worked for them, like would you? Uh, and I appreciate the, the notion of if it, if I don't get a release date, then I don't get any uh, a window. I also think that that translated over into pre-order laws in some places in Europe. That's like if it doesn't have a window at least, or uh, maybe even a release date, you can't pre-order it, which I think like, is super interesting. Like, give me just like a season and a year, man. Mm-hmm. Like they did, like Devil May Cry, <laughs> like Spring 2019. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is coming out sometime between March and June. Of next year, <laughs> yeah. Would yeah. you say? Would you say you're an Xbox guy? I would say I'm a PC guy. PC guy, uh, yeah. 
uh, I, you know, I own all the platforms, but uh, some trolls and, out there are saying that's the same thing. <laughs> you know, like what's the difference? Oh. Why would I get an Xbox that I can play PC? Uh, it's like it's my uh, best troll I, voice. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a turncoat because I used to be uh, really into the 360 camp, and then like went to the PS3 camp, and then like, like my my primary platform has changed so much. But then like when I hit like my early-ish to mid-20s, like, I went all in on PC. Did you? Yeah, like, I... My last rig I built in 2016, and it has a 1080 in it, and an i7-6700K, and it's like, I just built this super tricked-out rig, and it's like, what? Like, with the exception... You know, the Switch is a different animal, I feel. (laughs) But, like, compared to the Xbox One X and the PS4, like, why the... Why would you not play on PC? Is the almost the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it because like, yes, the initial cost is more expensive, though <laughs> that might be changing slowly. Uh, we're at the point where we're selling you know four and five hundred dollar boxes right now. That is pretty crazy. Uh, uh, but so like, with the exception of like the initial the starting price, like games are cheaper. You have more controller options. You're, it's it is actually backwards compatible, compatible. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I my first PC I built in two thousand four, and I was to play Half Life two. Yes, and um, I was fourteen at the time. Uh huh. Do you remember and, what you put in it? Uh, yes, I actually have it sitting in the other room. Come on, I, do you really? I do. Uh, it was in it had a Pentium four two point yep. four gigahertz. Amazing. <laughs> Five twelve megs of RAM. Yeah, man. <laughs> a uh, GeForce fifty seven hundred FX. Wait, two two thousand and four five twelve megabytes of RAM. Uh, yeah, I went. I went to one gig. We have come so far because it sounds like you put together like a screaming machine for the t- like you you went you set out to build like a gaming rig. So yeah. five twelve would have been a lot at the time. Yeah. So like, I guess it was fourteen at, years ago. Yeah, which I mean, good God. And like, and you know, I played Half Life Two, maxed out settings on eight hundred by six hundred, which my monitor was. <laughs> yep. What so, kind of monitor did you have? Oh, I had one of those big CRTs. I, I love I, it. I didn't get my first LCD computer monitor until two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I was. I also didn't get my first HGTV until two thousand and eight. So. Uh, I mean, I guess so, right? Yeah, like, because the three hundred and sixty was two thousand six. Came out in 05, November 05. Oh, okay, I, I, yeah. I very distinctly remember that console launch. It's actually one of my favorite console launches ever. How uh, come? Because I love Cameo and PGR3 and <laughs> DOA4 came yeah. out. Like DOA4, I got to uh, S rank online, double S rank. And it was... Uh, and like that's one of my favorite fighting games ever is DOA4. And that came out like a month after that system launched. And just mm-hmm. like... It, like, fixed the only problems I had with the original Xbox of, like, okay, it has Japanese games now. Mm-hmm. It has cross-game voice chat, which I wanted, so me and my friends didn't have to have a second, like, computer on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had uh, it had custom soundtracks in every game. Like, like right just, out of the gate, didn't it? Like, all these yeah. things that didn't really even make it over to the Xbox One, even. Like, Party Chat was broken to all get out when it launched. Yeah, no. What the like, heck? The 360 was so ahead of its time. Yeah, man. that's a good point, dude. Talk to me about Cameo because I believe it was on your is on your Twitter profile or something. I feel like I, maybe I'm making this up. Is you that, are the, the only person on the internet who wants a Cameo too? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, 
Like I, I talked to the direct. Like I've talked to the like head of Rare, like uh, like once at E3, being like, "All right, man, Sea of Thieves looks great." Like I did the interview for it, and yeah. afterwards I was like, "Skin looks awesome," but uh, but seriously, cameo too, man. When's it happening? <laughs> What did he uh, say? Like, I bet nobody is asking him that question. And to your point of, you're the only one in the world who wants this. Yeah, so he's like, he's like very happy to hear that. Uh, for one, two is uh, I'm not the only person who wants that game to happen. Okay, surprisingly, it's not common, but I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, yeah, maybe one day. Like, we had a sequel plan. You you can see cut. You can see cut content about it in the rare replay. So for people so, who don't know, if people who don't know Cameo at all, like what kind of game are we talking about here? So it's an action adventure where you play this like fairy princess who has this ability to shapeshift into different monsters mm-hmm. to complete different missions. So like in combat, you change into like a man-eating plant who has like boxing gloves on and like uh, you turn into a dragon and you turn into like this rock monster that fires boulders like machine guns and like you use those different (laughs) forms to turn you use those different forms to like solve puzzles or beat bosses or do combat stuff and like the stuff i really liked is like you turn this like uh armadillo rock monster and like launch off ramps and like transform mid-jump to this like yeti thing that has like icicles so you can stick in the wall Mm -hmm. like a tomb raider and it was just like this is so weird and awesome and like the art is charming and the music's great. And it's like, why the hell did no one buy this? Well, and it got a second life as well on Rare Replay. But nobody, I feel like nobody really paid attention or much attention to that. Maybe Killer Instinct was on there. Like, of Rare Replay, what were the games that you kind of went back to? Uh, Viva Pinata. Yeah, uh, man. That's, man. Yeah, that's... man. How many hours lot- you dump into that game? Oh, dude, like 30 plus. Easily. Like it, I mean, it's, it, it can be endless as well. But it's yeah, also like, got this nice, like, wraparound. It does seem like it's not like, it's not quite like Animal Crossing where you can play it like 700 hours. Like, it does seem like it's got an objective at the very least. Yeah, get all the pinatas. Yeah. Uh, get them pinatas to hook up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. You, you get, get over you, it quickly, though. Yeah, you get, you get them through their little weird bomb maze and then they bang by dancing. That's right. And That's how it works maze. in the real world. Yeah, and then they have amazing names like Horstachio. Um, <laughs> That's uh, rare at its best, in my opinion. It's just like, yeah. just go make up weird names for like weird-looking pinata insect animal things. <laughs> I really like going back to Battletoads, actually. Nice. Uh, me and, uh, or sorry, Ray and I streamed uh, Battletoads, like an entire playthrough of it. Have you really? Uh, yeah, we streamed an entire bl- playthrough of Super Battletoads. You know, like, the majority of people on the planet have never seen anything past, of course, like, the Speed Racers. Um, yeah, no, we were, that part took a while. Oh my gosh, dude. Like, that game caused a lot of rage on stream, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was fun. It was was really cool. Uh, no, so, but I really like that. I, so, one of the games that actually really irritates me on Rare Replay and from Rare in general that no one like, like outside of, like, a handful of people don't consider it to be a good game, but it's amazing, is Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Dude, I'm the same way! Every time <laughs> somebody says they're like, oh, Nuts and Bolts, I'm like, I don't know, what, like, if I'm completely out of my mind here, but I kind of like Nuts and Bolts quite a bit. I got turned on that to that game by Brad Shoemaker over Giant Bomb when, mm-hmm. he, was, when he was talking about the Bombcast. I'm like, I don't know, man. 
they're doing weird stuff with banjo but i'll give it a shot yep and like dude that game was so great like yes like just all the different creative things you could do to beat these missions like and then you'd like go into the top like 20 where they have videos of how people did and you're like how the hell did this guy do this in like 10 Mm -hmm, seconds mm -hmm. and he creates some like a weird contraption that's like how did he even think of that? I know. Well, it's got like that little touch of like Minecraft, but also like a little bit of like Mod Nation Racers or Crash Team Racing, but also like the 3D mascot thing. Like I feel like that's where games should have gone, at least in a, uh, in a way, because everybody just took their mascot and threw it on a threw it on a kart racer. You got Sonic, you got Crash Team Racing, you got all these things, and it's like who cares? You got Little Big Planet Racing, who cares? I loved that. That was the direction that Banjo Kazooie went, but it wasn't. Like the 3D collectathon, the mascot collectathon thing was so um, ubiquitous everywhere. So if you ever went like off script a little bit, people are like, they wrote it off completely. But now I think we need that type of game more than ever. Like where yeah. they're actually coming back a little bit, like those 3D mascot thing, like Mario's back and, and Spyro's and Crash is back with their, uh, with their remasters and Ratchet and Clank had an excellent game in 2015, Hat- I think. Hat and Time was pretty good. You know, like there's... There's room for 3D platformers. You just have to do them really well. Like Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey was my uh, was my uh, game of the year last year. Was it really? Yeah, it uh, did not man, click with me. Uh, you know, you want to know what game didn't click with me that caused many an argument uh, during Game of the Year awards is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm can we connect even more, Bronson? Like unbelievable. <laughs> I'm I'm exactly the same. I could not care less about anybody that she like met in her in her time like anything that had to do with either the future or the past like the the deep past i was like i'm all into this but anytime i had to go do a mission to like help somebody i'm like i don't care i think you look silly i I think uh all like the 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 tribal stuff really really big miss for me because i thought the start of it was so good i really liked the the it wasn't her dad it was like almost like her dad it was was like her adoptive father Yeah. yeah i thought that relationship was really cool but like not really didn't really play out in a way that i think maxed out its potential i i remember like i was actually at uh the bi-weekly fight night i do every week uh and we were talking about that game and i'm like yep it's that's the best 7.0 out of that's the best 7.5 i played all you i don't know if i go that 7.5 okay i could that's that's Uh, in the conversation I, i guess i'm like man its presentation is great the beginning and end of the story is really good i don't yep. care about the middle I think the gameplay just kind of feels like a more polished Assassin's Creed, like standard 3D open art world RPG. Like, so like when people went, and like people went bananas for that. They really game. did. And like, I went to get, and like, we went into the Game of the Year awards, and like Mario got put at three, and the discussion was between Horizon and Zelda, mm-hmm, like course. Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, every everyone in this room is insane if you think horizon is better than zelda mm-hmm. and uh it ended up being a four to two vote in favor of uh zelda thank god <laughs> i think i think the one thing that i will say before too many people throw all the hate about uh horizon zero dawn because it seems like this that's a long time ago that we're also bringing this up like let's talk about how that was definitely not 2018 game of the year um first out of the gate though like completely different game than that team has ever done before and brand new ip like i feel like they did a they did a solid job with that like creating a new world for us to explore i think it was really really good um because especially if you think about like remember like mass effect when mass effect first came out we really loved like really good with some glaring yeah. issues obviously yeah I, so- I, 
I think it's very similar to Mass Effect in actually a lot of ways. Like, because mm-hmm. the first Mass Effect I was very lukewarm on, but then like mm-hmm. Mass, of, Mass Effect Two is one of my favorite games. Ever. Same here, dude. That's one of the, the only role playing games that I've played multiple times. I've played through that multiple times, and it's just like it's just so good. And and it's sprawling enough, but not not. It's not like Dragon Age crazy. Like it's it, you can you can pretty much complete that and do a pretty pretty good job. You can you can definitely pass the suicide mission within. 30, 35 hours, which is pretty... Was, that's doable. Yeah, like, I traditionally don't like Western RPGs. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't really care for any... I think the Fallout games are kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot <laughs> wait to read the comments on this, by the way. I was just thinking, man, like, I, I one of my questions was, like, what are some of your favorite games from 2018? But maybe we should slam a few more games from the past before we get on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like... What are oh, other people's no. favorite games that you want to you want to trash uh, right now? Oh, what other sacred cow could I butcher? Yeah, exactly. uh, but uh, no, sacred the uh, the like I but like the fact that like I wasn't really big on Skyrim. I liked Oblivion a lot. Yep, um, same here. I I thought The Witcher was okay. Like the I went game. back to The Witcher. I went back. I, I was I held that opinion for a good year and a half, and then I went back. And I was like, okay, no, I get it. And it was because I just don't think I do this with a couple games, Bronze. Where I did it with Destiny as well. Where like I didn't understand like what the even makeup of the game, like what the point was. What was I supposed to be enjoying from it? I it, I knew it was a shooter, and I knew that there was like the loot loop, kind of like uh, Borderlands a little bit. But I was still somewhat looking for like a Mass Effect kind of story, I guess. I didn't really understand the the MMO parts of it and like why those would have been appealing. So by the time Destiny 2 came around, I was like, okay, I get it. I've started to play a few of these games and I appreciated it for what it is. And the same with The Witcher 3, I think after playing... Assassin's Creed Origins actually is when I went back to them. I'm like, okay, this this isn't as scary or complicated as I thought it was or too deep. I actually went back to The Witcher Three after the Game of the Year awards that year because that would call, that is the most heated Game of the Year debate I've ever been in. What about Drag- Overwatch? Uh, that 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 year it was kind of like unanimous. We all put it at fourth. Oh really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, though I remember 2016 was probably the easiest Game of the Year I've ever done. Like we got to the top five and I suggested an order and everyone was like, "Yeah, sure." So what did you have? <laughs> was that Uncharted year? That was Uncharted Doom. Uh, um, yeah, so Uncharted was like our number seven, I think. Okay. Because uh, we did the way we did it is we everyone did an individual top ten, so you mm-hmm. can see the staff's top ten, and then we did a group top ten that we all would bicker and argue over for <laughs> three to four hours. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, no, it's hilarious. But that year, I remember the top four being um, Overwatch, Hitman, Titanfall Two. Wow. Uh, Doom. Doom was game of the year that year. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, like, and it was really because normally, like, when we get to that bottom five, it's like knives out. Everyone's staring across the table. Mm-hmm. Um, last year was a good case of that with like Horizon, Persona, Mario, and Zelda. But like that, yeah, I was just like, okay, this is the order: Stardew Valley five, Overwatch four, Hitman three, Titanfall two, two, Doom one. Is everyone on this Damn. table? Damn. Is everyone at this table okay with this? And everyone sat there for a second. And they're like, yes. That oh that's amazing. It's amazing you don't have Forza Horizon three in there at all, man. I'm I'm a little, uh, I'm a little offended. It, it, it made the top ten. I'm uh, just kidding. It was actually no. Uncharted was a Forza was seven mm-hmm. uh, because what happened was I tried to get Forza as high as I could, but like Thomas loves Civ six far too much. <laughs> and, How is? 
<laughs> how is it working with him on these on these lists? You guys you guys battle it out, or are you mostly in line? Um, we're actually fairly in line, like yeah. more than you would think. There are a few exceptions, like um, I worked with him on only one of those, uh, which was that year, and like the the uncharted like the uncharted argument was a big one. Mm-hmm. The Witcher expansion argument was a big one, but then like we got oh yeah. Yeah, and then we got into, like, that top five, and it was just, like, super easy. The last couple I, of years, that's a good point. The last couple of years, we've had, like, 2017, we had, like, PUBG breaking the rules. And then 2016, yeah. Was that 2016 for the Blood yeah, and Wine? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we're yeah. always trying to, like, how do we, like, there's nothing, I don't think that there's anything like that for well, 20, um, 2018, unless you start to think about, like, maybe some of these games that are on Switch that, so, like, people are only discovering now. So we have a hard and fast rule, uh, which was no early access allowed. You have to be officially out, and you have to be officially out by December 7th because we do mm. the recording on December 21st. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you if your official release date is after December 7th, we push you into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our rules at the, rules at the time. Uh, and, and, like, this year has been, like, really slow for games in my mind. Like, last, mm. year, last year it felt like every other week I was playing, like, Oh, dude, I want to play that. I want to pick that up. Near Resident Evil, Yakuza, like just the list Snap. went on. Yeah, no kidding. And like this year, I was like, it's been really slow. Like I'd go weeks without buying a new game or looking into a new new game <laughs> to like play. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. That still sounds hilarious to me, though. It's like, oh my god, I went at least seventeen days without buying a new game. Like, oh, this is the slowest year. What a drought that we've had all year. I, like, yeah, like it's it's weird to think about, but like when you compare it to like the last three years, where it's just like. Last three, four years, where it's just like, just seems like every month there's like mm-hmm. two, three awesome titles. Um, you asked me about like what my game of the year was this year so far, and what my favorites are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters is by far my game of the year. Real? Right? Well, yeah, you're a fighting guy, so talk to me about this. Um, okay, so that is the most I've enjoyed a fighting game since original Street Fighter Four. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Dragon Ball as well, but so they they took Marvel versus Capcom. They made it a little more player friendly and like tweak some things. And it's just this, it's so addictive. Like I can't remember the last time I went into like training mode for one of these games and just like sat there and just like practice shit over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over and still found it like super fun and engaging. What is, what is like the dopamine hit that you get? Like what is it about the fighting game? Cause I've, I've completely fallen off. Like back in the day, it was like Street Fighter two tournaments at neighbor Matt's house all the time. And that was it. Or even, uh, like you said, Marvel versus Capcom. And it was just like, I don't know, maybe the competition was what I was getting out of it. So I'm always curious, like what do people get out of the games that kind of like tickle their fancy? So for me, it's like, I'm a very competitive person. So fighting games uh, come into that. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's like chess on speed because it's this, it's this, (laughs) it's this mind game of like, okay, what is he doing? What am I doing? What'll get like how, because in Dragon Ball, especially in Marvel, it's like, okay, I need to be able to land one hit and then I can go into my crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like, okay, how am I going to get that one hit? How am I going to get in, get that hit so I can go into my big, crazy three man combo? (laughs) And it's the, you know, and it's like just spacing and the neutral game and like all these different like factors. It's just like, it's just so much to learn and enjoy and engage with. And like, just like when you like, well, last night was our fight night, actually. Um, We have a biweekly fight night up at a friend of mine's house. And like we had and we saw this game where it was like 
two people who are new and we spent most of the night teaching them how to do stuff, how to react to stuff, how to execute things in Dragon Ball. And this one guy, he just could not do the uh, level three, the ultimate for uh, any of his characters. Like he just couldn't get that quarter circle motion down. And like, he's in this super tight match against like one of the veterans there. Um, and like, they get down to like, they're both down to their final characters. They both uh, are like, barely any health left he's playing he he, uh he jumps over an attack the dude whiffs and then he uses that level three (laughs) to win it and just like 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 everyone oh my fucking god he did it he did it like just you know it's i also i think part of that those kind of games particularly is like the community aspect as well like um, just like like, I know people, like, especially at work, who will go to me and be like, yo, do you want to get together and practice Dragon Ball tonight? <laughs> and it's, it's this, you know, and it was that way with Street Fighter and Marvelous Capcom, where it's like, it's competitive, and then those hype moments, like, all the work you put in to, like, cause that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of our guys who goes to our fight night was actually top 64 in Street Fighter uh, at Evo last year. No way. Yeah, and man, does it show... Oh, really? Just, like, knows the game completely, like, inside. Because those, those guys know, like, the game on, like, a frame-by-frame frame basis. Like, they know how many frames it takes for, like, a particular animation, right? Yeah, like, he's uh, he's best in the state in Tekken. Uh, one of the best in the world in Street Fighter. When we oh, play my either, gosh. And when we play either of those, dude, it shows. Yeah. Like, in Street Fighter, when I have, like, a close match against him, like, I'm proud. No kidding, yeah. And he's probably taking it easy on you as well. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Like, dude, I'm... I love the way that you kind of like crystallize those two moments because I, I feel like there's a lot of people who listen to that like maybe had lo- had, a, had a previous love for fighting games but that had fallen off like a lot of people kind of have. But like you just reminded people of like two very critical moments, like especially when you talk about Killer Instinct and like that, that combo starter and then you're just like, how far is this thing going to go? And you're like, oh snap, this thing is out of control. Like 64 hit combo, this is crazy. And then that like I've got one sliver like, if they fart on me, my guy's going to die. You know what I mean? But, like, having that comeback is so – everybody has had that moment, whether you're super skilled or you're just a button masher. I, I think the thing the, – the thing about fighting games, because we've been we've been trying to grow the scene in the mm-hmm. area. Like, there's, there's this local group that plays, and then, like, we've been trying to get our friends into it. And the hardest part about fighting games is that barrier to entry of, like, you really got to practice and yeah. learn shit. Which mm-hmm. is why, like, sometimes our fight nights, instead of being just weekly tournaments where, you know, Brian beats on everyone, um, except for Dragon Ball where me and Robert beat on everyone, mm-hmm. uh, is, is like, sitting down going, okay, like, new people, we're going to go in training mode. It's like, all right, this is how you do the super. This is how you do a super. This is, like, this is why you don't super dash across the entire screen. This is why you do this. And just, like, slowly practicing and getting them up to speed – because, like, once you get to the part of the game where you're, like, proficient or, like, at least somewhat, somewhat proficient, fighting games are the most addictive thing in the world. Every right, because it gives you something to work on instead of, like, that nebulous, like, I'm just trying to win. I don't know exactly, like, what do I work on my defense? Do I work on, like, my combo stars? Do I start on... Like, it just kind of gives you, like, pieces of it to go, I can, if I can nail that every single time, then I can move on to the next thing. It's like a curriculum that you build for yourself. Right, and like in my case, like I won't practice unless there's someone better than me, which is mm. uh, it's just a bad habit. Like it's like, well, if I'm the best player here, then I'm like, I'm not gonna want to put more effort in. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great because um, my friend Robert in that same group 
is in training mode every single day. I log on to Steam and see him in Dragon Ball Fighters every single day in practice mode. Oh my gosh, dude, um, I can't imagine. And it makes me, and like, it keeps me honest and like playing it consistently and getting better because it's like, okay, I do not want to get smoked at fight nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that's, and I, so yeah, I think that's been my game of the year. Like that, I, like I always enjoy fighting games, but that's the first one where I've like, literally just gone into training mode and really dissected the game and like started to learn frame data and like how does like, that help though like i get that that's a thing but like how does that actually like help you beat somebody <laughs> because you need to know how many frames to do a certain move and like what the startup is on it so like for example if they're doing x thing that requires three frames and yours the thing that you can do requires two you're going to come out faster. You're going to get the advantage in that situation and have better mm-hmm. spacing or better, uh, you know, better spacing or you're going to get a hit or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, like, uh, there's a guy who does a lot of videos on this uh, called Core A Gaming. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, fighting game YouTuber who does, like, intense breakdowns of, like, everything from mind games to salt to, you know, becoming proficient. Like, he's... Uh, if you want to see like nerdy ass breakdowns of like fighting game <laughs> culture, it's yeah, you know that's that's where you, that's the guy you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love that most games like most genres do have that like if you want to get into it like there's some stuff you can get into every every role playing game is kind of like the no brainer strategy games are no brainers Fight, fighting games people are starting to come at a more mainstream level to people are starting to understand that there's this intense like. You, almost like a university that you can go to to understand how to be good at these games. Uh, I love that you, if you just want to like completely nerd out about a genre, then you can absolutely do that. I, I, I love that. Uh, the, I used to be a big uh, WoW junkie. Uh, I was mm-hmm. actually, uh, in my teenage years, I was in the top 100 guild in the world. Uh, Where, was, how does that even track? Like, I don't even understand. You could you could be just saying these things. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But like, what, uh, how do we verify so, this? It's like my so, friend saying I was the best more, uh, Mario Kart player in in uh, well, North so America. And wow, what it is is uh, there are these websites where you submit your uh, your raid boss kills uh, and like your time and your date. And you screen oh. cap and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they just have stuff that auto tracks that because right. you know because. Like, Blizzard is ahead of the internet. Curve. Yeah, so like it used to be just like, okay, hey, we're the we're like, hey, we down this boss, post it in our server forums, send it into the websites that track all that crap, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so Knights of the Alliance on X server, it you know was the third person, third guild on their server to kill this, and like eighty fifth in the world to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how they would keep track of that up until now, where it's just there's just giant. So for anybody who's interested in getting into fighting games, because Dragon Ball Fighters and Fighter Z, or however anybody wants to say it or how they know it, um, that was a big hit. A lot of people were talking about it earlier this year. It's hard to even remember that it was 2018 that this thing happened. I, that, yeah, it came out the end of January. Right. Uh, that game, honestly, I think the game is actually a good starting point because uh, supers are really easy to do. Like the timing, it's not like older fighting games where the timing on it's really harsh. Yeah, like and, finishing moves in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and then also, like, the fact that it has auto-combo buttons. Right. Where, like, yeah, those aren't going to give you the best damage. They're not going to, like, what you want. Like, they're not going to be able to keep someone in the air forever. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a good starting point where it's like, okay, if I mash square, I will do a cool-looking, competent combo. Yeah. Or if I mash triangle, I will do a cool-looking combo into a super if I have bar. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then, it, like, gives, it gives people enough of like it, it's not too much of a barrier. You can like you can button mash a little bit and something looks cool. But like for anybody who knows what they're doing, they're like, well, that's that thing. That's the entry level stuff. But that's, that's yeah, okay. easy way to to get around it. Yeah, it's just like yeah. There's plenty of ways you can get out of auto combos and mm-hmm. like not have to worry about it. But like if when you're first starting out, like it at least gives you a fighting chance, mm-hmm. sort of if you know what you're doing. So, uh, it's, what else about um, the one? The last thing I wanted to ask you about was D and D though, because uh, you mentioned sticks and cricks. I was talking to Tom, Thomas King's been on the show a couple times actually. Him and I were just chatting the other day uh, about something we might be up to. I, I I call him a massive. Okay, so I'm the wrong person to ask about D and D. Okay, well I wanted to ask you like kind of what your connection to D and D was more than more um, than anything. Okay, so my connection to D and D is I have played it uh, at two separate packs as I went to when prompted mm-hmm. by friends. It was fun, but I'm not <laughs> super into tabletop. Yeah, glowing and, endorsement. And, like, so the Station Crit staff is broken up into East Coast, West Coast, and the East Coast guys really are focused on tabletop right now. The West mm-hmm. Coast, we're really focused on video games. It doesn't mean we'll branch over. We got guys on the West Coast who are really into magic. They got guys on the East Coast who are going to be reviewing video games. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we're kind of locked away on separate ends. Uh, in a lot of ways. So, like, any time they post something on the Instagram or Twitter that's about a tabletop game, my response is just like, have you ever seen Dragon Ball Abridged? <laughs> uh, that, you, do you know when Piccolo screams nerd? <laughs> it, is just, it is just a picture so of Piccolo good. screaming nerd. That is so good, dude. Like, just, oh. And only, only geeks get that whole thing about, like, calling somebody else a nerd but you're like the biggest nerd of them like it's just that is like the best joke to be man i love that yeah like i just like every time they post something i either comment that or just actually just yell at them fucking nerds i love it oh my gosh dude uh, oh man I'm, well uh we we kind of covered like i don't even there's i got notes across my whole pack can pick different uh, different titles for this show different thumbnails and everything but uh man if anybody wants to chat with you on the internet or have them on, i know a lot of people make their own podcast they want to have you on like how do people get in touch with you on the twitter or wherever else you're at uh i am at gamecraft with a k what's that about <laughs> i want to ask you about the craft is the craft dinner please tell me it's craft uh, dinner. no it's Damn okay it. so uh what it was is way 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 back in the fun year of 2008 2009 uh that uh, i got started uh with a couple of friends by uh, making a small gaming site and it was called gamecraft and uh and that was my twitter handle uh at gamecraft and it just kind of it kind of stuck name, man i love it yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, no, I'm surprised no one's taken it. Uh, That's and, what I was thinking. I'm like, man, he's the original GameCraft. Like, he doesn't, it's not even like GameCraft underscore 27 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really pretty good. sweet. Uh, so, yeah, you can contact me on there uh, for sure. Like, that's that's probably the best way because, uh, like, my Facebook is kind of private and I'm a little more like, like, real if life. I, yeah, real life or like actual people I've met at an event at minimum. Like I, mm-hmm. like I have a, I know like uh, I've met Rachel Moore uh, through when we covered CES. I've met um, uh, I'm not sure if you know Robert Workman. He worked over at Prima Games. Like just kind of like people like that. Where it's like okay, like you're in the industry, and I've like met you in real life. Um, it's funny how that works on this on the various social media. Like yeah, it's different. You allow different people in or out or whatever. Well, like, Facebook, like I put, I'm willing. To, I like post more personal stuff, or like mm-hmm. I'll get into rants about like you know politics on the internet mm. versus like my Twitter, which I kind of keep it either I'm 
joking around or like you know business yeah versus my facebook and also like my family's on my facebook which that's another reason why i'm like i don't want every like possible stalker on the internet following me on facebook so you will also know where my mother and aunt and family are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's that yeah, fa- facebook's done a nice job of of keeping our, our mothers and aunts all over there and twitter's done a nice job of keeping them the hell away from that <laughs> yeah like twitter twitter my twitter is almost nothing but like industry people same here yeah game, um, gaming is 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 my twitter which is funny because i have like my first and last name as my twitter it seems like it would be the personal one but it, it's not it's just it's all games um but Bronson, man, this was so much fun, man. I can't believe we just blew through an entire hour talking about I, even God knows what. Yeah, I know, man. That went by quick. No kidding. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. For sure. If you're ever on the West Coast, we'll uh, have you on uh, the Sticks and Crits West Coast podcast that we're going to be doing soon. Sweet, man. Abs- yes, I've told I've told Thomas, like, whatever whatever it happens, like, we, we can line it up. It'll be amazing. I, I want to talk to him about a couple of things that, Thomas, if you're, I know you're listening. We're going to chat soon. There's going to be, there's going to be a thing soon. So thank you so much for being on the show, Bronson. I really appreciate it, dude. For, for sure. For sure. Episode 171 in the books. Guys, I've had 170 some odd conversations with people that every now and then it kind of like strikes me as just kind of nuts that somebody could dig through all of these things. A lot of great conversations uh, all varieties, totally different conversation last week and the week before that and the week before that. I'm lining something up next week that um, I haven't got confirmation on just yet for Saturday to record, but I'm hoping to have something back to something very interesting, something I don't think we've really talked about on this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like coming through using the Twitter, using the Twitter, uh, the, like the Twitter feed as like, oh, that would be a cool, cool kind of like topic or at least jumping off point. And we'll see that that's worked a couple times. That worked with uh, Sarah Daniels. And as I get more into the Twitch community, it's just like, holy crap, I was in a podcast community. There's a streaming community. There's so many things, so many great people. Shout out to Big, wait, Matt Big Fat. That always messes up my brain. Cool dude on Twitch. I hope to have you on the, if you're checking this out, great. Thank you so much. I hope to have you on the show very soon. Guys, follow Bronson at GameCraft with a K and I had to use some Killer Instinct music. Uh, Killer Instinct Enhanced over OC Remix. You can follow me at Sean Capri. Follow the show at WeTheGamerCast. Follow the website, WeTheNerdy. And if you guys like it, if you like this, if you like all the Twitch, if you like all the things, you can go to Patreon.com slash MakeUsBetter. It supports me and all the things I said at the top of the show, but it also supports PSVG, Warp Whistle, Nintendo Nostalgia, Bad Bit, and later on this week, I will have a massive announcement, a new goal. Let's just say, let's just say you might be helping me quit my day job. We'll save that. We'll put, we'll leave it at that. That's probably already said too much. But thank you to our artists, Gary Gray and Adam Leonard, for doing all the things, and our video designer, the hype caster himself, Antonio Guillen. I um, I got rid of Lincoln for this last little bit, and I thought maybe I'd talk about some other things. But instead, I just, like, listen to the music instead. It's pretty sweet. You guys ever stop the... You, you guys ever want this song? You guys let me know. It's royalty-free. I'll send, I'll send you the music. Um... Congratulations to everybody who's platinumed whatever came out last week, Spider-Man and Tomb Raider and all the, all the games that have come out. Congrats for, for platinuming those. And Joe After Work, like a 72-hour marathon stream. Everybody was uh, streaming this weekend. Jason Lace was streaming. Carol Dude was streaming. So many things, guys. But I think this is the end of the episode, because otherwise this is episode 171 of We The Gamer Cast Now in Your Ears. 
Thank you again for being here. I'll be back next week. Now it's time for Jason. I timed it. That was that was okay. I thought I had more to say. But I'll talk to you guys next week. Maybe I'll have more to say next week. I don't want to just go on. Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!